0: Please turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21 this morning. We're going to read the next little vignette in this book. We're going to be going through verse 34, and we'll finish up chapter 5 next week. Before we do so, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help with the text this morning. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, as we come now to your holy word, we pray as people who are not holy, at least in our thoughts and our actions, you have set us aside as your own people. You are even now making us more and more holy. And it is by your word that you will accomplish that task. And so, Lord, we pray that you do that even this morning as we are here together, gathered together with this text of Scripture before us, that you use it to grow us closer to you and closer to one another, that you might be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I studied this text this week, it made me think of the different types of religious relics that have existed over the years. It'll make sense in a minute. Particularly uh, Christian relics. Throughout the centuries, people have kind of held on to certain items thinking that they had some sort of historical or even spiritual significance to them. They had some sort of even power to heal or power to even give life. Power to even maybe even buy one's way into heaven or one's way out of a certain thing like, you know, purgatory or something like that. There is a couple of them I'll just name that are interesting to me. There are lots of these. The rabbit hole is very deep. There is a human hand that has been preserved for hundreds of years. And it it is thought to be the hand of James, the apostle. You can see it. There's pictures of it online. It's not particularly pretty because you know it's a lot, it's old. There's another, there's one that's a weapon, which I was particularly fond of, called the Holy Lance, and it was thought to have been the spear that pierced Jesus' side. So there's that. There's of course the most famous of them probably, it's called the Shroud of Turin, which you've probably all seen a documentary on, they tend to do that around Easter, they show these, you know, the Shroud of Turin today, something like that, as if something's changed about it, but it's thought to be the burial cloth of Jesus and even has an outline on it of what they think is maybe Jesus. There's a problem with all these relics. They're probably all fake. Sorry to burst your bubble. But even if they're not, let's pretend that they're all real. When we look at them and think, that, wow, that's actually the outline of Jesus. What are we doing to that cloth? We're ascribing value and power to it. To an otherwise mundane item. We have to be careful with that. And when we, and when we call them fakes, we do something else. We inflame those who would act, attribute power to them as, and they may say things like, well, you just don't have enough faith in that piece of cloth? In that weapon? Is that what I'm supposed to have faith in? And our text today will deal with this idea as someone believes that if they could just touch Jesus's clothes, that they would be healed. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. This woman is healed. But we're going to talk about why that is. There's more going on there. I think it's important for us to dig into that. The same sort of thing happens today. It would always doesn't take the same form. And we are guilty of that ourselves, though it may not be some relic. We look at our text, we're going to see our own lack of faith in Christ and how we often put things, our faith in things that can only, can do the work that only He can do. We'll also see His tender mercy come forth even in the midst of that. He loves us even when we wander away from Him. So as we consider this text, I want to look at three main ideas. First is touched by the crowd, then healed by faith, and then sent in peace, And so with that, let's look together at the text. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Please stand with me in the honor of a reading of God's holy word. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. So just a bit of context before we go on. Remember last week we talked about a, a story of this man named Legion who was uh, possessed by many demons and the demons even called themselves Legion and Jesus had to cross the Sea of Galilee to get to the Gentile side to meet Legion. And after he was healed, he went out into all the cities of the area telling them about the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. We spent a lot of time talking about what it meant to fear the Lord. And we can see some of those same themes in our passage today, absolutely. We see that theme of fear today. We're going to see it again next week as we talk about the story of Jairus' daughter. In fact, we see it all throughout Scripture. as this text that we read this morning. So I think it's important, very important idea in Scripture. We are introduced to this man named Jairus in the first few verses. And just when you think the story is going to be about him, I love how Mark, Mark does this several times in his book. Just when you think the story is going to be about this thing that gets introduced, the story kind of goes this other direction, and then it comes back to Jairus at the end. And so we're going to spend next week talking about him. But first, we have to deal with this person that they met on the way, this woman who remains unnamed. As Jesus was making his way to see Jairus's daughter, who's apparently very sick, there's another encounter. This woman that has a bleeding disorder. Many of us, we've heard this story a bunch, right? If you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story a whole lot of times it could be that we come to this text with a certain set of expectations and when we do that guess what we find when we come to it we see those exact things that we expect to find so let me challenge you and caution you this week and this is why I'm talking about this I I was talking to a good friend of mine and he said he recently heard someone say that he comes to this text. he was. They were having a Bible study together and the guy said to him, well, I go to this text with these expectations. That is not how we ought to go to scripture. We go to scripture to be taught, not to inform it. And so as we come to this text today, we have to be careful. We want to support our own perspectives on things all the time because we always think that we're right. But when it comes to scripture and we see evidence that is presented to the contrary, we have to believe it because these are the words of God. And so as we come to this, let's go with that perspective. These are the words of God and he will teach us. And so that's the first point touched by the crowd. Look at verses 21 through 24. Just to talk about this interaction with Jairus here, Jesus Crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and poured him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so he went with him, and this great crowd followed. And so to begin, Jesus meets this man named Jairus. He's called one of the rulers of the synagogue. It's an interesting, uh, title and kind of job that they had he was not a priest so we don't need to think of it in that way but he was someone who had an important enough job think of like through the daily workings of the synagogue and everything that needs to go on to make the place function that's not a priestly kind of role this is what they would have done so he would have been seen as a very important figure in the synagogue and he comes to jesus with this urgent request his daughter is dying he knows that Jesus is a healer. He seeks to have her healed. And so as they work their way to his house, you can imagine the scene, right? People have started to hear what Jesus has done. The fact that he made the storm stop has probably started to make its way through the area. The fact that Legion is no longer a legion has also probably started to make its way through the area. They see this boat coming across the Sea of Galilee. They know Jesus is on it. They're all gathered to come see. And they see Jairus, a very important man to the people that are there. And they see him and they think, oh, well, he wants to see Jesus. This is obviously a big deal. And so people are starting to gather around to see what's going on. And you can almost imagine that the the rumors of legions healing have, have come to the other side of the shore faster than Jesus' boat did, probably. So there's this kind of crowded parade sort of thing going on. Made me think of like, you know, when they, times when someone sees a celebrity like walking out on the street or in the grocery store or something and all these fans just flock to them and the paparazzi and they all flock to them and so you can't even walk. It's almost like this mob just kind of floating around. It's, that's kind of what I picture. And so now we're met with this other person, verses 25 and 26. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Notice she's not given a name, and I think that's important. We read here that she had a discharge of blood, probably some sort of menstrual disorder. Leviticus 15 details why this would have been a problem if you want to go read that chapter be my guest but basically this would have caused her to be ceremonially unclean aside from the fact that she's losing blood constantly would have been physically exhausted she is also in social and religious isolation and so feel what's going on here i want you to feel this juxtaposition That's here. Jesus and this named man, Jairus, who is an important religious man walking down the street, encounter an unnamed, socially isolated, and religiously unclean woman. And she had tried everything to get this fixed. She had suffered much, is what we read, under many physicians. She was now poor. She had given all that she had. And all for naught, she wasn't getting any better. You can kind of imagine this. We've probably experienced this with someone in our own lives. Someone who, everything they try, nothing is working. You can imagine the mental toil. That's probably some of that. Her getting worse. And what is her desire as she sneaks up on Jesus in this crowd? It would have been easy to sneak up on him. There was a lot of people gathered around him. Verses 27 and 28. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment and said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. This is something she's come up with on her own. That if she just could touch his garment and what happened? Well, immediately the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What happened here? Did Jesus's clothes really heal her? When I was a kid, there was a guy on the TV, and he would talk a lot about healing people and money and all those things all being mixed together. And then he would ask the viewer to put their hands on their TV set. Maybe you've seen this guy or somebody like him. And he would extend his hand out to the camera as if we were like touching hands, so to speak. And then by some sort of mystical transfer of TV energy that I could get the healing... That he was praying for. And I think that if you were writing a check with your other hand. It actually worked better. Alright. And this guy. There's this other guy. That what he did is he famously sold vials of miracle spring water. You've probably seen miracle spring water. Apparently it was some from some spring in Israel. And I love how if you go to the website. Which I actually did. You know. Had to see. Still there. You can still buy those. It says do not consume this water. Which I thought was kind of funny. But if you held it, of course if you hold it while you're praying, apparently your prayers are, are better and you'll be healed. Was it the water? If someone is healed holding that spring water, are they is that the water that's healing them? If someone is healed while touching that man's hand through the, the glass on the TV set, or the TV sets aren't glass anymore. Maybe showing my age. It was glass when I was a kid. Was it the clothes? Of Jesus that heal well, throughout history as I alluded to the church has sought just about anything and everything to act as a substitute for the healing and prosperity that only Jesus Christ can bring it's what we do anytime we don't believe the gospel right I mean this woman who can blame her she wanted nothing more to be than to be normal again To be free from her physical ailment, sure, but also to be free to rejoin her culture and the the people that she loved. She knew Jesus was the real deal but didn't necessarily want to come face to face with him because that would have meant meant some sort of social exchange and she wasn't quite ready for that. She just wanted to kind of brush against him as everyone else was doing in order to be healed. What's the problem with that? Everyone else, again, they were brushing up against him. What makes her different? And that brings me to the second point, healed by faith. Look with me at verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Jesus felt something happen. We can't at all understand this. Uh, that we don't want to even presume to understand what it means that power leave us and that power be efficient to heal someone. That's we don't understand that at all. But we've all walked through a crowd of people, right? You know, I think of like when I go to like a, a baseball game or something like that, and I'm in this big crowd of people, and we're all kind of moving to one spot together, and there's all these people that are strangers that are brushing up against you, right? And you, you you don't really feel one versus the other. I think the closest that I could imagine this coming to would be the difference between all of those people kind of brushing up against me randomly versus one of them grabbing my arm and pulling. I would get that immediately. Whoa, that's different than everything else that I've been experiencing. Both are physical contact. One is on purpose. And so the woman's contact with Jesus was very much on purpose. What did she say? If I can just touch him, I will be healed. And Jesus knew it. Of course, we have the disciples here that are a bit dense. They're questioning Jesus as if he's not the person who had just calmed the storm with them in the boat. They're questioning him. Jesus, come on. Do you really know what you're even talking about here? Asking questions as if they have any business at all, even opening their mouths. They're asking questions. He could have allowed that woman to be healed in anonymity, right? He could have allowed her to just be healed and she walked away one way and he continued on his way and she would have been healed and all would have been well. But that is not at all what he wanted to do because she would have ran off and talked about what? How awesome Jesus' clothes were. And next thing you know, someone might be selling severed hands of apostles or burial cloths or miracle spring water or fill in the blank. Notice their interaction here. Jesus was looking for a person who did it, though there was no need. He knew exactly what was going on. Verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it. First thing I thought about, of course, was. Jesus in the garden, walking in the garden, looking for Adam and Eve as if they were actually hiding from him. This allowed the woman to come forward and notice how she came forward. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. I think Mark's trying to make a point. Came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. When it happened. It's pretty, this is incredible. Don't forget that when the, the apostles, when they saw that the sea was made calm, they were afraid. This is that same kind of fear. When she saw that she was face to face with her healer and he was speaking to her, she came with fear and trembling because she knew who he was. He wasn't just some magician. Who did some trick. With special clothes. He was the creator. He was the son of God. The great healer. The only one who could do this sort of thing. And look how Jesus deals with her. I love this. Because up to this point. Who is she? She's unnamed. She's socially isolated. She's religiously unclean. And look what Jesus calls her. Daughter. Your faith. Has made you well. There's an old hymn. It's about a hundred years old. And it has these lyrics. It says, O Christ, in thee my soul hath found, and found in thee alone. The peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. E'en as I stooped to drink, they fled, and mocked me as I wailed. The pleasures lost I sadly mourned, but never weep, wept for thee. Till grace, the sightless eyes received, thy loveliness to see. This borrows from an image that is in Jeremiah chapter 2. If you want to turn with me there quickly. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah is a fun, big book, and it has lots of good stuff for us. And I think these two verses in particular point to exactly what we're dealing with here. Chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is the Lord speaking. And he's speaking about his sinful people. And why, why is he appalled? He says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. And this is why. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's one. And second, they have hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the first evil is they have forsaken me. The second is that in their forsaking me, they have made their own cisterns. A cistern. Its a basically a big pit that held water in this part of the world. It could dry up for long periods of time and so what people would do is they would dig these dig these giant holes with a very small opening and they would fill them with water and they would kind of line it with this clay and As long as the clay didn 't crack, that big pit pit could hold a lot of water. But as soon as that clay cracked, guess what all the water did it seeped into the very loose ground below and it wouldn't hold anything it was just a big useless pit and so you get the idea if a cistern had a leak at the bottom it was not any good it makes no sense to pour water into something that can't hold water it can't help you it's a lot of work and you get nothing in return especially what does jesus compare it to here in jeremiah what does he call himself a fountain of living waters? So understand this, whatever it is that we look to for healing and rest and comfort and security other than Jesus Christ, it is like taking water and pouring it into a cistern that you know to be broken And expecting it to work anyway, while there is a fountain that never stops flowing right next to you. It makes no sense. Do you understand the depravity of our hearts? It wasn't the clothes of Jesus that made that woman well. It was Jesus himself. And he wanted her to know that. Why didn't everyone else that was touching him receive healing? If it was his clothes, everyone that brushed up against him, he could have just cut a little piece of the sleeve off and handed it to Jairus and went on his way. That's not what he did. It's because that woman believed. She believed in him. Jesus stopped the procession in order to find her and make this point. Your faith has made you well. Not your faith in my clothing. Your faith in me brothers and sisters in christ it's no different for us today there is no magic spring water or shrouds of turin there's no magic in giving money or memorizing scripture or the catechisms or praying four hours a day or never missing sunday school or any of those other things that we attribute magic to there's none of those jesus alone is our salvation he alone is the object of our faith Jesus didn't say that your faith in a thing makes you well. It's your faith in him. I remember last week in Sunday schools, we went over to Ephesians 2. It's by grace that you were faith or saved, and this not of yourselves. Why? Wow. So that we can't boast about it. So that woman can't go back and say, yeah, yeah, I did this thing and I got healed. She would have to go back and say, I saw him and he healed me. And this woman, who's never even given a name, is now sent on a mission that we are all sent on as well. And that brings me to this last point, is sent in peace. Look with me again at verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The literal translation here is probably better go into peace. It doesn't make sense to our English ears to say that, so we don't translate it that way. But you want to think of it as this woman walking into a state that she has never been in before previous. This woman's life would be so much different now. And what is different about her, she wasn't dependent upon how she felt that day when she woke up. She could go into the synagogue again with her people. She could be in the public again and no longer considered a pariah. She was no longer going to have this physical pain and bleeding that she was constantly dealing with. She could no longer have that persistent thought, something is wrong with me and I feel horrible. Jesus had healed her of that. She was now free. Go into peace. Think about it this way, going back to our Jeremiah 2 text. She had tried all of those broken cisterns and found that their water failed. And that she would trust in Jesus and she would find him never failing, ever. And this is important for us as the church because we live in a world that offers every sort of broken cistern that there is. And we gather these things around us. We even like to show our broken cisterns off from time to time, as if they're something to be to gloat about. Yet they can't compare to a spring of water that never stops flowing. And when we seek to do ministry in a lost world, and we are drawing from a broken cistern in ourselves, it's difficult to sustain any kind of passion or desire to do ministry. And then what do we always end up pointing the loss to? Well, this is what I do, and it kind of works sometimes. Is that something that we want to go into? Not at all. Because it's in Christ alone that we find that we'll be filled with a peace that only he can give and is so overflowing that it should pour from us and people would see it. It's by grace through faith that we are saved. It's not of ourselves. In fact, even when... And see this, see this back in Jeremiah, you can see this, you can see this in Mark chapter five, even when we were reaching out to be healed by those other things, he's going to turn around in the crowd and he's going to find us and he's going to show us himself. This is who saved you, not that other thing. It is Jesus Christ alone. And then what does he do? He bids us go into peace. Walking into a peace that he has made for us. For the unbeliever, if that's you here this morning, you may be hearing about your own broken cisterns for the first time. And hear this, they will always be broken. And one day you will have to come face to face with Jesus and give an account for those things. And he will not say on that day, go into peace. Instead, he will say away from me. I never knew you you've never trusted in jesus today today is the day to trust in him and to be healed call upon his name and be saved in conclusion brothers and sisters let us be people who seek jesus alone for this peace rather than anything else let us be ones who show others the peace that we have found and tell them about how we have been healed let's go to him in prayer Our Lord Jesus, as we come to you even now, we admit and we confess that there are so many things that we attribute power to that only you can give, only you can do. And we pray for forgiveness. We pray that you would forgive us our sins. And we know that you are one who forgives. Therefore, you should be feared. Lord, we pray that you help us to that end. That we would come to you as this woman did in fear and trembling, but also come to you expecting and knowing that you will give us forgiveness that our heart needs and you will continue to grow us in your grace and mercy. We are thankful for this, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.